last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. And then when he gets hurt, oh, scrub him! Oh, what? They never happened! <laughs> just, just unlucky, Matt Kelly. Nope, nope, nope. Not wrong about Kevin White. Nope, 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 nope. Sorry, not gonna get me on this one. Nope, 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 nope. Come back here, you little weasel! And <laughs> Nate List needs his own show. Explosive! And you got nothing, Nate. You're bringing nothing. Just a bare minimum again. Sounds like my wife right now. Get in line. And say the slot receiver lacks upside because he's small, because he plays inside. Suck on that slot receiver, hater. And it's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. How is it going, Matt? Feel great, man. Feel great. Feel nostalgic. Mm. Listening to some grunge music. Yes, the music of my childhood. And I came to a realization, Nate. 1991. In my opinion, this is my opinion, the best year in the history of music because i believe 1991 is one of the top three years ever for rock and roll music and then there's other r&b music and rap music that we were able to enjoy in 1991 i think in aggregate you got to give it to 1991 but it starts with the rock and roll revolution grunge music started in 1991 in earnest with nirvana Nevermind. That year. We also had Pearl Jam 10 that year, Soundgarden, Bad Motor Finger, as well as these auxiliary bands like Temple of the Dog. You don't know grunge music unless you know Temple of the Dog. I mean, they can keep going. REM Out of Time, Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name of. It goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And even rock bands that weren't considered grunge, like Metallica, rolled out their signature album, the Black Album, at that time. And they call me unforgiven. <laughs> this was the most incredible time to be alive listening to rock and roll and yet other types of music. Incredible. That's all I want to do now. Just listen to songs from 1991 and that's it. I don't want to listen to anything else. Just 1991. That's it. I contend the best year in the history of music. I, you know what? It's my job on here to disagree, and I'm going to wholeheartedly do so. I think you need to roll that clock forward about four years to a little year I like to call 1995. Because 1995... Oh, in 1995, was that the year that the Red Hot Chili Peppers released Blood Sugar Sex Magic? No, that was 1991. It wasn't. However, it was the year that the Rednecks released Cotton Eye Joe, a song that we all know very, very, very well. <laughs> Good, sir. Oh, God. 
There is so much that happened. That was the year of the gimmicky pop song, was it not? Yes. Let me give you two songs right now that nobody can deny were classics. One, Coolio, Gangster's Paradise, undoubtedly. Number two, yes, Montel Jordan, This Is How We Do It. Those two songs alone got me through my school year. That was the pinnacle of hip-hop, 1995. That was right around the same time Snoop Dogg was releasing albums with Dr. Dre, and you had even, what, Skilo coming out with a hit song at that time? Skilo! The golden era of hip-hop, absolutely, I won't doubt that. Basically, what the late 60s were to rock and roll, the mid-90s for hip-hop. I don't deny that, but I have great hip-hop albums from 1991, because Tupac released an album in 1991. N.W.A. released an album in 1991. I can't say it on air. It's one of the few words we cannot say on air, but you can go to Wikipedia or go to the discography and look up the album that N.W.A. released in 1991, which I cannot say on the air. In addition to classics like, oh, I don't know, Fresh Prince's Summertime. Speaking of classics, how about Alanis Morissette, You Oughta Know? Ooh. Come on. Ooh. Who, who Ooh. didn't love that song? We've got... That's strong. That's strong. Bone Thugs and Harmony, first of the month? Come on, man. This is good. You're not coming as strong as I came. That sounded really bad, by the way. Dr. Dre, keep their heads ringing. What can you say to that? What can anybody say to that? Keep the heads ringing was blasted from my 1989 Buick LeSabre throughout high school. I'll tell you what, I we can debate music here, but where I personally like to debate music, Matt, is on Maisie. Have you been working with your leagues on Maisie? Have you been chatting it up on Maisie recently? Wait, you're changing the subject already because I'm just getting started. Well, go ahead. What else do you got? You know I have boys to men Motown Philly in my arsenal. I mean, you can't compete with this. I got one. I got one left. I'm undoing the combination on the safe, and I'm about to pull this one out. It's one of the best ones I have left. Oasis Wonderwall is one of them, but I'm going to throw this one out there. Very strong. How about Just a Girl by No Doubt? I think we can all take solace in that. No, because I've got Naughty by Nature, not because I hate you. As well, Cypress Hill. Insane in the membrane. No, insane! Got no brain! Are you telling me? Insane in the membrane. You can't compete with this! You can't compete! Sure I can. How about Joan Osborne? One of us. (laughs) You're giving me these gimmicky top 40 hits. No, I'm giving you classics. Yeah, I I just started dry firing up into the sky, and I had a couple rounds in there, and I don't know where they came down, but we should talk about Maisie. I mean, this was Nirvana, never mind. I led off with the peacemaker of this argument. Nirvana, never mind. Smells like teen spirit. In bloom. Come as you are. On a plane. Drain you. You're drained. You're done. You lost. Maisie is continuing to sponsor this show because we love Maisie and Maisie loves us. 
Maisie is the first collaboration app that is fantasy football focused or fantasy focused for that matter. You can use it for all formats, not just football, but that's what Matt and I use it for primarily. And if people haven't noticed, living La Vida Loca, Ricky Martin, (laughs) get out of here with this. You're toast. If anybody's noticed, Maisie recently did an update and they changed the visual layout of their app. It looks phenomenal now. Uh, you know, I had I didn't have issues with it originally, but they moved the DMs to a different spot now. The layout looks great, which was one of the nicest updates. The color scheme changed. So they're always involved doing different things to enhance their product. If you haven't gotten it yet, you need to go to your app store on the iPhone or Android. Search Maze, M-A-Z-E-Y in the app store. Or you can go to www.mazy.com. Co. That's C-O backslash football. Download the app. Go to the website. Add it to your form of communication. It's time to get off all the other text message and Facebook messenger and Voxer and all the other things that we've tried to get you off of. For weeks now, we've been talking about it. I love it. My league loves it. Matt's leagues love it. It's definitely what you should go to. Yeah, when we're communicating between owners, whether it's official league business or whether it's celebrating a trade, whatever it is, We do it on Maisie. All my leagues use Maisie because it is the best collaboration app. And what I love about it is that it's focused on fantasy football. Over 90% of Maisie users are fantasy footballers. That platform caters to our community. So we should download it out of principle to support the app developers that are supporting us. But in addition to that, they've also enhanced the shit out of it, so it's great. And you brought up a a great comment there by saying that you like to share trades on Maisie. And I don't know if you noticed, Matt, did you happen to see a trade that I posted on Twitter the other day? I I did a poll for a trade that I made. Did you see it? I don't follow you on Twitter. Wow, that's, that's a bit heartbreaking and harsh. Oh, wait, no, I do follow you. Look, I'm looking at you right now. Oh, you've been muted. Oh, it's understandable. That's understandable. Well, let me, for the people that haven't seen this. I'm thinking to myself, I haven't seen a Nate List tweet in six months. This guy's a jerk. (laughs) Continues to be a jerk. Let me just say, here's how the tweet read. It goes one-sided or closer than people would expect. PPR trade. I traded the 2017-101, and Golden Tate for Le'Veon Bell in the 304. What's your initial thoughts before I mention how the final voting went on 300 votes? You're a goddamn thief. That's what I think. Oh, my gosh. If I were raising chickens... I wouldn't let you anywhere near that hen house. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're like a fox in a hen house. That's a cliche for you. I'm beating you to the cliche punch. Like a rooster in a hen house. Let me tell you this much. Oh, wow. You're the rooster and the rest of your league mates are hens? Is that what you're saying? Right. I just strut into the door. Saloon doors pop open. (laughs) Hello, ladies. Well, that's pretty much what you're doing, posting dynasty trades on Twitter. You're that guy, the self-congratulatory dynasty trade guy, because you're not posting a poll because you care about the results. You're posting the poll to one-up your competitors. It's a look at me poll. It's not information gathering. Admit it. Admit it. You know what? Maybe there's a little bit of self-serving going on here. Let me tell you this, though. When I first posted it. A little bit. I was unaware. When was the last time someone posted a dynasty trade that they executed that they didn't think they won? Just did this trade in my league. (laughs) 
I can tell you for a fact that the guy that I made this trade with did not post this identical poll on Twitter. Of course he didn't, because as soon as it was executed, he was ashamed of himself. I will say this. Here's a little a little nifty part of this trade. So we only did a rookie draft. That's what these draft picks were for. It's obviously, we've already done our startup. I got Le'Veon Bell in the 304, and people on Twitter were asking me, why did you even ask for the 304? And for other people that are listening to the show, the reason I asked for the 304 is because I converted it into drafting James Conner in the third round. I ELF, unbelievable. Up. Whoa! <laughs> this guy's still on this. This is... You're unbelievable. Whoa! <laughs> I have my own one-hit wonders in 1991. Woohoo! I'm destroying you. Go on. Dude, I just laid off you, to be honest with you. I had a lot more left, and I just didn't go for them. Sure you did. Go ahead. No, it's fine. It's no, fine. fine. Go ahead. I can see you scrolling, and you're finding a bunch of nothing. Go ahead. Go ahead. When somebody has a shitty putt on the golf course... And you know that it's going to take like three putts to put it in and they're like a foot out and you go, and that's a gimme. You just pick that ball up. That's a gimme. That's what I did for you. I didn't want to watch you three and four putt that ball in. That was me being courteous. I'm just saying there's, there's a lot left. There's a lot of meat left on the bone. You can't miss a putt with Pearl Jam 10. Get the hell out of here. You can't miss a putt with Shaggy Boombastic either. <laughs> yes, you can. That's the whole point. That's absolutely a song that we would miss a putt on. No. Shaggy Boombastic. This is what you're bringing to the table. This is, oh, wow. This is embarrassing. You got Junior Mafia Can you stop anthem? it? Just stop it. Just, just continue. Continue gloating over your competitor after you stole Le'Veon Bell. So I got Le'Veon Bell. I got James Conner. It was a smart trade for me. I got his cuff. I don't think they're re-signing D'Angelo Williams potentially. For some reason, people are talking about Niall Davis. Like he's done anything anywhere. Niall Davis? Niall Davis is the third, well, second or third back there currently. He's still in the league? I was not aware Niall Davis was still in the league, number one. Number two, I didn't know he was on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I should be going to playerprofiler.com forward slash depth dash charts where we have all the depth charts Mm -hmm. up to 10 receivers deep on every team with all the camp bodies listed in order according to their depth chart position. Clearly, I haven't visited the Pittsburgh Steelers depth chart in quite some time. It doesn't matter. It's an irrelevant depth chart at this point, but I added James Conner anyways because I do like him. However, we should get to a buzzard email, which of course is sponsored by Maisie. You want to hear a buzzard email, Matt? I love buzzards. Yeah, me too. And I hate them. I hate them and I love them equally. Mm, 50-50. Okay, how does Duke Johnson's possible role as slot receiver impact his dynasty stock? Was his dynasty stock ever falling? I don't think so. We've always had Duke Johnson in the top 30 dynasty running backs approaching top 20. Because in a vacuum, I believe that Duke Johnson is a top 10 running back talent in the league. I think if given an opportunity to be the bell cow back, to be the primary option in the run game, that Duke Johnson would be efficient because all he's done for his entire career is be an efficient runner. He did it at Miami, and he's done it so far when given opportunities in Cleveland. It just so happens that he's behind Isaiah Crowell, who is a fantastic runner in his own right, and Isaiah Crowell, also a sneaky good receiver, caught more than 40 passes last season. 
So that's not an easy running back to supplant. The guy that's 5'11", 224, that runs a 4'5", 7, that's a 102.7 68th percentile speed score with a 73rd percentile burst score for Isaiah Crowell, he's an athlete. So it's going to be very difficult for Duke Johnson to ever supplant the athletic, strong, athletic, the, the strong, athletic between the tackles grinder, who's also more than adequate in the passing game. So I feel bad that Duke Johnson has been marginalized to a satellite back role, but this year we're finding out, oh wow, the Browns are thinking about being more creative with Duke Johnson, getting him on the field more, playing Crowell and Johnson on the field together by putting Johnson in motion and having him running routes out of the slot. That's what we want. We want Crowell to play the Amir Abdullah role and for Duke Johnson, most importantly, to play that Theo Riddick role. And if he can be a focal point in the passing game, that's how his fantasy points per game can exceed 10 and get closer to that Theo Riddick 14 fantasy points per game level than his 10 fantasy points per game level he was marginalized to last season. So I think that his dynasty stock is going to climb because this news reinforces the idea that Duke Johnson's good at football, that he's an all-purpose talent. And then once the season starts and he starts catching four, five, six receptions in a game, that will boost his dynasty stock because he's young. He is a young, ultra-talented running back. 23 years old and can win in all phases. 1104 agility score, 83rd in the league. He's incredibly quick, but he also has displayed power running skills. You don't become the Miami Hurricanes all-time leading rusher without the ability to run between the tackles with power. He has it all. So I love Duke Johnson. I've never stopped loving Duke Johnson just because the Cleveland Browns did not optimize his skill set last season. Just because a player has a season in which his team couldn't figure out how to optimize him doesn't mean you sell him in Dynasty. But he was going later in startup drafts than I believed he should go, which is why I ended up drafting him in every startup draft. It's why I own Duke Johnson everywhere. Because if Duke Johnson is somehow, some way bequeathed that primary back role, Isaiah Crowell gets hurt, high ankle sprain. Isaiah Crowell gets suspended. He hasn't been a model citizen off the field. Either one of those things happen, Duke Johnson could be a top 10 running back in fantasy, and you might say, how is this possible on a team like the Browns? It's possible because the Browns could have one of the league's best run-blocking units. They had a great run-blocking unit last year. I mean, the team has Joe Thomas anchoring the offensive line, and they went and invested in guard play. That's what you want. If you own running backs on a particular team in Dynasty, you want that team investing in improved guard play, and that's what the Browns decided to do. They were already running the ball an inordinate amount with negative game script. When they're down in the second half, the Cleveland Browns have no problem continuing to run the ball, and based on their investments this offseason, I don't think that philosophy is going to change. That's why I like both Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson in Dynasty. It's just that Isaiah Crowell's stock has been rising because we've been talking about him so much and the situation so much. But now that news is breaking that Duke Johnson's going to be on the field a lot in a theoretic role, running routes out of the slot, you'll see his ADP start to catch up in Dynasty Leagues. Catch up to player profiler, which is what everyone's chasing. 
playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings, the standard that everyone is chasing. Yeah, and Duke Johnson is a really interesting case. I mean, it's like you just laid out beautifully. We both love him. It's a funny situation because Isaiah Crowell was so good last year. Very he's been good. good since he's been in the league. And he's been really good as a receiver too, which is unfortunate for Duke Johnson because what Duke Johnson is so good at is being a receiver out of the backfield. He runs routes well, so it makes sense that they're going to start to kick him out to the slot. Like you said, theoretic. Uh, more recently, what I'm picturing is what Carolina is going to do with Christian McCann. Caffrey, where they're going to play him in the backfield. He's going to get a lot of work. He'll get more work than Duke will probably get out of the backfield. But if they're planning on putting Duke outside of the backfield split out, he already had the third most targets on the team last year at 74. Gary Barnage, who's gone, had 82. So Corey Coleman will be healthy this year, hopefully, not for Duke Johnson owners. He'll ascend to the most targets on the team likely. But Duke Johnson has a chance to have one of these 80, 90, 100 target seasons potentially out of the backfield. He had 74 last year. You're losing two major players in Terrell Pryor and Gary Barnage, who combined for about 220 targets. So again, Corey Coleman rises. Isaiah Crowell will probably do about what he did before, similar to a, a, a Mark Ingram-ish target amount of 50, 53, somewhere in that range. But I think the thing with Duke Johnson since the beginning is people really ignored the agility score and looked at the 40 time. And I think for some people, they were down on him. But like we've talked about before, if you're not going to be elite fast, have good agility because you can still be successful. And we've seen it with Duke Johnson. Last year, he was great on limited carries. But I love the fact that he's going to go play the slot occasionally because you're going to get an uptick on the 74 that he saw last year. And if he gets 25 more targets out of the slot, that's 100 targets for the year. Right. He had a 50% snap share with a low utilization rate last season. So the 50% snap share was 36th in the league. The opportunity share was 54th. That's going to come into balance with more targets in the passing game as well. Just more plays. The team will be more successful. The offense overall with improved quarterback play with Kaiser, better wide receiver play with Kenny Britt, better tight end play with David Njoku. The whole offense will be much more efficient, more drives, more pass attempts, more rush attempts. They won't be near league bottom in rush attempts this year. And some of those rush attempts are going to go to Duke Johnson. Just like two years ago, Danny Woodhead commanded 100 carries for San Diego. You can see Duke Johnson commanding a 40% opportunity share with Isaiah Crowell getting a 60% opportunity share. But most of those targets and carries that Duke Johnson will get are high leverage carries. They're in the two-minute drill. They're in special packages. They're in the passing game where running backs can more easily ring up fantasy points. So I think that the Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson fantasy points per game are going to converge a bit this year because he'll be on the field more and the team will be calling more plays in more fantasy-friendly situations. And when you look at my dynasty rosters, you see a lot of these satellite back plus running backs. Running backs that have standalone value as RB2s and flex plays based on their activity in the passing game. We talked about Theo Riddick. Talked about Christian McCaffrey. Bilal Powell comes to mind. CJ Procise comes to mind. These are all the running backs that we've talked about on this show that Nate and I have on our rosters. But the difference between a lot of those backs and Duke Johnson is that Duke Johnson is a satellite back plus in that, like CJ Procise, if the running back ahead of him on the depth chart, the early down grinder goes down or for whatever reason can't play, then the satellite back plus running back can become a workhorse 
and an RB1 in fantasy. This is what we're seeing today with Ty Montgomery. He entered 2016 as a satellite back plus, and we're seeing his ascendance now. The team has jettisoned the Eddie Lacys, and they're committing to Ty Montgomery. That's why Ty Montgomery has David Johnson light upside. So I wouldn't be surprised if six months from now we look around it and we're in a world where Ty Montgomery and Duke Johnson and CJ Procise are all top 10 backs in the NFL. You just shouldn't be surprised if we wake up one day and that's the reality. And the reality of the right now also is that running backs like Carlos Hyde are workhorses. No matter what you read on Twitter, no matter what rumors get circulated by the San Francisco state media organizations... Carlos Hyde is the starter, and he's scheduled for workhorse volume this season. Very little of what you hear, speculated by beat reporters, has any merit throughout the offseason. The beat reporter is the great value creator in fantasy football, because more often than not, they're just going on feelings. They're speculating. They don't know any more than we do. Do you think they have the GM's office tapped? Are they bugging the coach's phone? No, because you know the GM and the coach are telling the media exactly nothing. Have you heard one of these interviews? Have you read one of these transcripts where the beat reporter interacts with the coach and they just get a bunch of nonsense coach speak? Just a bunch of platitudes and nothing. The coaches and GMs are giving these guys nothing. Players play, coaches coach, everybody needs to do their job. Players play, coaches coach, everybody needs to do their job. These coaches are just a bunch of drones. So they're making them make it up as they go along. Like this idea that Carlos Hyde, who's due less than a million dollars this year, is somehow a cut candidate. It's absurd. And Carlos Hyde was a sneaky receiver last year. He averaged more than two receptions per game. If he played a full season, he would have had over 30 receptions. Carlos Hyde and Isaiah Crowell are very similar players. It's just that Carlos Hyde isn't competing with a Duke Johnson for receptions out of the backfield. He's competing with Tim Hightower. Gross. And I was talking to my friend Izzy Elkafas from DLF, from the Dynasty Trade Calculator, about Carlos Hyde. And I shared these opinions with him. And he asked me because he's a Joe Williams enthusiast. And he knows I'm not a Joe Williams enthusiast. So we debated a bit on Maisie. Nice. Talking about the idea that Joe Williams would cannibalize some touches from Carlos Hyde or even somehow, some way, supplant him and become the primary back. And his argument is that Joe Williams is a great scheme fit for Kyle Shanahan. He's a one-cut runner with sub-4-5 speed, perfect for that downhill zone-blocking scheme. Now, my problem is that I can't tell one scheme from the next, and that all of these coaches are implementing some version of the West Coast offense. And every NFL team has stretch zone outside runs in their playbook. So I don't know where Kyle Shanahan keeps these super secret plays that no one else knows how to call, knows how to run, and can't watch film of Kyle Shanahan teams to see what they're doing. Somehow he has this invisibility cloak around his players as they're running these zone stretch plays. He has immunity from the hyper-competitive copycat league that is the NFL. What I just described is absurd. That's why I don't believe in offensive coordinators saving offenses. Scheme fit represents backward logic. The coach's job is to create a system that maximizes player ability, not to go out in the world looking for very specific players 
to fit a specific hard-coded scheme. That would be backwards. It's why I don't believe in scheme fit. Because they said Tevin Coleman wasn't a good fit for Kyle Shanahan's scheme in Atlanta. And Tevin Coleman was the most efficient running back in the NFL last year! How does he do that if he's not a fit for that scheme? How? Because as it turns out, Tevin Coleman executed outside zone runs perfectly. He's the ideal one-cut runner. Give him a crease and let him burst through it, and he will get the most out of that run play. No one in the NFL, not David Johnson, not Ezekiel Elliott, not Le'Veon Bell, can get the most out of a running lane that has appeared before them like Tevin Coleman. No one. So as it turns out, Tevin Coleman's a great fit for every scheme because he's great. So that's why I've never been able to fit players into schemes and schemes into players. I simply don't know how to do that. But I'm open-minded. That's why I asked my friend Izzy, you talk to me about this. Where do you see the evidence of the player fitting the scheme or vice versa? And it was a great conversation. I love conversations like that because you always end up learning something. It was illuminating, but I didn't change my Joe Williams ranking. (laughs) (laughs) Damn right. And Izzy is one of my many friends at DLF, but you wouldn't know it based on the website partners that DLF promotes. Because I saw a tweet from our friend, Eric Dick. Ends. Last week. He tweets the latest and greatest hashtag fantasy football analysis aggregated from around the web. So DLF has a list of articles that they aggregate from around the web. The best ones curated by Eric Dick. Ends. And it really is an impressive list of articles. Starting with how Kyle Shanahan impacts the 49ers offense. (laughs) I'm not making this up. That's the first article listed. Can't make it up. I can't. I couldn't. Won't. Articles from Rotoviz. Articles from 4 for 4. Articles from Fantasy Pros. Articles from Number Fire. Great analytical pieces, one after the other, with one glaring exception. No articles from playerprofiler.com listed at all. Zero. Because you can keep scrolling. It's a long list. But there will not be a player profiler article listed. Because DLF curator Eric Dickens is on a one-man crusade to avenge his friend, the late Jeff Miller. I don't know why I'm breaking character. I hate it when I do this. This is terrible. You got to stay strong. I couldn't couldn't keep my composure through that joke. So Eric Dickens is freezing out player profiler from all cross-promotional activities at DLF, even though DLF has freely used our profiles embedded in their articles, which I offered up as a courtesy. And I don't blame anyone but Eric Dickens. I think this is a one-man inside job. Who else would notice that there are no player profiler articles listed other than Matt Kelly? Nobody! But it's not just the articles that are missing from DLF. Oh no, 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 no. Dynasty League Football also does not acknowledge our podcast, Nate. What? That's right! What? Yes! It's true. They have a page called the DLF Podcast Central where they list every Dynasty League podcast. 
the Dynasty One podcast, the Dynasty Trade Calculator, as I mentioned earlier, on and on and on and on. They even list the Dynasty Nerds, Nate. The Dynasty Nerds made the list, but not the Sonic Truth podcast. That doesn't make any sense. Well, no, it makes sense why it's happening, but you guys are freezing out some of the greatest content in the universe, in the galaxy. Go on, Matt. Fantasyland is on there, and Fantasyland hasn't launched a new episode since March. (laughs) It's a hatchet job, Nate. It's spiteful, and it's lame. We're a lot of things, but bitter and lame are not one of them. My question is, though, where does this bitterness come from? I think it starts when fantasy football analysts take themselves too seriously. I think that's the, the kernel from which the bitterness grows. Because I believe that I've accomplished one thing definitively. I mean, I'll leave this game having accomplished one thing. At least one thing. Hopefully more things. But at least this one thing. I think everyone would agree, unanimously, my singular accomplishment up until now is that I myself am on a crusade, a successful crusade, to stamp out the self-serious fantasy analyst. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... There's been plenty of them on shows that you've done without me. And since we've worked together, we've called out bullshit across the internet. So the crusade continues. Oh, it will continue until all the self-serious fantasy gas bags have been annihilated. You think I'm finished? I'm just getting started. Fake Dickens, we know the real ones. Charles wrote that tale of two cities. If DLF's Puff Daddy, player profiler's Biggie. Diss us, leave our pod off the list. Go back to your sandbox with Oliver Twist. Please, sir, can I have some more? Please, sir, can I have some more? Please, sir, can I have some more? Will somebody get on the horn and speak with Eric Dickens and describe to him the definition of acting like a chicken, especially when Matt's like Gordon Ramsay in a kitchen and the Sonic Truth fans think fried bird is delicious, an appetite for destruction, but Jeff was like a stepping stone that we don't regret, but you should for freezing out our effing show with tens of thousands every week. You really think it wouldn't grow, but thanks a bunch for the added punch. The off season is pretty slow. In the such a weird disposition and i just can't identify with it this self-serious fantasy football analyst i can't even say it without laughing and most of them are not self-serious because the analysts we've been most critical of doug veach tim torch they follow us they engage us doug even came on the show why because it's fantasy football and it's not to be taken seriously and i will not rest until i've hunted down All of the analysts who have their heads directly up their own asses. I feel like a hunter, Nate. Like a duck hunter. (laughs) I was in the Bass Pro Shops with my daughter recently. We were buying a shade tent to take to the beach. Pro tip for everyone. Throw some shade on yourself on the beach. Very Caucasian family. You don't need to soak up all that sun. You're going to sweat and be miserable. Get some shade. So in Bass Pro Shops, getting some shade for myself. My daughter and I are walking back to the counter and we walk by the hunting section. And this hunting section in Bass Pro Shops is enormous. Have you been to Bass Pro Shops? Only when I was in the Midwest. They're few and far between here in the Pacific Northwest. Believe it or not. They're massive. These are big stores. And there's an entire aisle dedicated to duck hunting. 
And it's just duck decoys. And I feel like a duck hunter with my duck decoys. And these rants and these beefs that we have, they're the duck decoys that we put out in the pond. Quack, quack, quack. Oh, God. Wrong. Fraud. Asshole. Scheme fit. Scheme fit. It's good. Tyree kill socks. Tyree kill socks. Tyree kill socks. Quack. And the self-serious fantasy analyst Mallard comes fluttering down, and I pop out from behind my duck blind and just... (laughs) 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 I wish people could see this. So Carlos Hyde. (laughs) I am on a crusade to purge the world of the self-serious fantasy analyst... And Carlos Hyde is a primary running back that is about to be purged in 2018. We saw what happened to Latavius Murray, right? Absolutely. Starting running back, 70% opportunity share, goes to free agency, becomes the number three running back for the Minnesota Vikings. That's what happens when you reach free agency in the middle of an RB renaissance. Because this is the year of the old running back. We've talked about acquiring Darren Sproles and Frank Gore and Jonathan Stewart and Adrian Peterson for non-first-round picks. Just makes sense in the year of the old running back. Go win your league this year with some old running backs. But the year of the old running back will give way in 2018 to the pinnacle of the RB renaissance as so many of these aging backs and many of the backs like Paul Perkins and C.J. Anderson that are part of timeshares and lack any special characteristics. Those backs will be unceremoniously marginalized if they stay in the league at all in 2018. I think many of the backs that we are trusting to produce fantasy points heading into 2017 will be flushed out of the league next offseason. Just watch. We've talked about it on this show. The 2018 running back class may be the best of all time. It sounds hyperbolic. The best of all time. Everything's the best of all time with Fantasy Mansion. No, this could be. We don't know how they will produce in 2017, but we know they have the size and the athleticism. If they are also epic producers, then the 2018 running back class will be a fireworks display in the sky. And you should be treating most of the starting running backs in the league today as having a single year of lifetime value. Treat them as one-year rentals. Evan Silva imparted this wisdom on us. That's why we bring Evan Silva on to learn how he plays the game. And he told us that he treats running back position as a year-to-year position. And we're in the midst of a complete positional transformation. The great running back purge will happen in 2018. There has never been a year like this year in which you need to treat all of these running backs as if they don't have a future after 2017. Now, beyond Carlos Hyde, another player on the San Francisco 49ers is also rumored to be cut, Vance McDonald. What do you think of Vance McDonald, Nate? I don't have a great opinion of Vance McDonald. Why do you say it like that? Vance McDonald. I don't have a great opinion of Vance McDonald. I don't know what to say. Vance McDonald is a good athlete. What if he had a better name? What if his name was... David Njoku. David Njoku. If he had a cool, sexy name like David Njoku, would you be huffing and puffing as you pronounce his name? No, it would be a lot less. I wish his first name was like Tron or something cool like <laughs> yes, that, right? Tron, but not McDonald, right? No. It's- How about Vance Tron? 
I like Vance McDonald. I don't love this offense. Doesn't sound like you like him at all. No, I, I don't love him. I'm going to say that. I'm, I'm very – he's not on any of my rosters, if we can be totally clear. And even if he was sitting in free agency, I don't know that I would chase him. I'm assuming you're going to ask me next if I'm excited about George Kittle. Yes, because the justification for cutting Vance McDonald, according to the fraudulent San Francisco beat reporters, is, well, they need to make way for George Kittle. Do the 49ers need to make way for George Kittle, Nate? Well, apparently the 49ers beat reporters know nothing about the time it takes for a rookie tight end to do anything in the NFL, despite the fact that George Kittle is a freaky athlete. You love George Kittle. You came on these airwaves and talked about George Kittle six months ago. I do like George Kittle, but we got to temper expectation just for a minute here. Last year, realize this is a different coaching group, but listen, last year, San Francisco was 29th in pass attempts. And if people expect that to change with Kyle Shanahan taking over, let's not forget that the Falcons last year, their offense was 26th in the league in pass attempts. The San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan are taking an enormous step backwards from Matt Ryan to Brian Hoyer and an even bigger step backwards in terms of offensive playmakers. Obviously, if you look at who the Falcons had around an awesome quarterback, now look at Brian Hoyer and look who's around him. So that's number one. And for perspective, when we're looking at quarterbacks going forward, looking at Hoyer, Drew Brees in 2016 averaged a touchdown every 18 pass attempts. In five starts last year, Brian Hoyer in Chicago, which is a much better offensive line, by the way, than San Francisco, had a TD rate of one touchdown every 33 pass attempts. So basically twice as much as Breeze. So to be totally honest with you, I could kind of care less about either of these guys, but let's break it down even a little further. If you travel all the way back in time, and, and remember, Kyle Shanahan plans on doing play calling as well as head coaching. If you travel all the way back to when Shanahan was an OC in Houston, he did heavily involve the tight end. In 2008, Owen Daniels saw 101 targets, three shy of a career high. In 2009, Owen Daniels saw 58 targets in eight games. That was a pace of 116 targets. In 2010, Chris Cooley saw 126 targets, a career high. 2011, Fred Davis saw 88 targets, a career high. Then in 2013, Jordan Reed targeted 59 times in nine games, a pace of 105 targets. Then even Jordan Cameron in 2014 was on pace for nearly 80 targets. Then Tammy in 2015 sees 81 targets. The one key to Kyle Shanahan's offenses is that if they featured an explosive wide receiver playmaker, an Andre Johnson, a Julio Jones, even for a while a Santana Moss, typically he has heavily featured a primary tight end. We both like Pierre Garçon. He's not an explosive wide receiver one in his prime. So this may be a bad year to chase tight ends. But if I'm picking one of the two, I'm taking Vance McDonald because he's the veteran and George Kittle's going to take time to break out. But in the long run, give me Kittle, much better athlete, even though Vance McDonald is a good athlete himself. Do you want to know why Vance McDonald won't be cut? Why? Because the 49ers still owe him $5.5 million. They would have to pay him $5.5 million plus to walk away and save $600,000 against the cap. Think about that. Think about that. You're spending over $5.5 million to save a little over $500,000. I don't think NFL general managers are very good at math, generally speaking, but my daughter's going into first grade and she can figure out <laughs> there's no way in hell the San Francisco 49ers are going to cut Vance McDonald based on the contract that he signed. I mean, he signed the contract, San Francisco. 
I'm sorry if you inherited a contract that you think is a bad contract. That's too bad. When a new regime takes over, you take over some of the bad contracts and you just have to eat the bad contracts. And what you don't do is cut a player and pay him over $5 million to save less than a million. Makes no sense. Apparently, the beat reporters that cover the San Francisco 49ers never bothered to look up Vance McDonald's contract before they decided to spray Vance McDonald diarrhea all over the internet. decided to spray Vance McDonald diarrhea all over the internet. Is that fine? I'd go with the diarrhea. That's the best way to go out. They're spraying Vance McDonald diarrhea all over the internet. I was going to say, the only other way I was thinking about going out was I was going to paint the best picture that San Francisco could possibly have, which is sign Kirk Cousins in 2018, draft Cortland Sutton in the first round, George Kittle becomes a boss. George Kittle runs a 4.52, has the 127.3 burst, the 1083 agility score, which is 100th percentile. No one's more agile, according to the numbers, at the tight end position in the NFL than George fucking Kittle. He's an athletic specimen, was dominant at Iowa on a low-volume offense. He just broke out at a late age. But according to the beat reports, this is the one aspect of the beat report that I actually believe has some credence in that He's developing quickly. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that he's picking up the blitz packages well. That his blocking techniques are good. I don't doubt that. I'm a George Kittle dynasty owner. I'm encouraged by what I'm hearing about George Kittle. But that doesn't mean he's going to supplant Francis McDonald. Because at best, George Kittle will be a move tight end play slot in three receiver sets and four receiver sets a poor man's Cameron Brait that's his ceiling as a rookie he can't play in line in those run situations where they call play action and they throw it to the tight end in the back of the end zone that tight end is going to be Vance McDonald it's not going to be George Kittle the San Francisco beat reporters are the worst and the San Francisco front office led by Jed York is the worst I mean it's just the epicenter of worst. That's what I think of when I think of San Francisco. And the idea that Kyle Shanahan is a savior coach and he can turn it around with his magic book of spells. Did Kyle Shanahan go to Hogwarts, Nate? Yeah, he was in House Slytherin. (laughs) I was thinking Hufflepuff. Tell me if I'm wrong. You only know Harry Potter from the movies. You never read the books. Of course. Of course. What, do you have you read the books? Of course I've read the books. 
Who do you think you're talking to? I actually read the English version of Harry Potter 1 the first year it came out. And I was reading the part about him getting on the train for the first time while sitting on a platform at King's Cross Station in London. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? It's a little ironic. It's like rain on your wedding day. And I pop out from behind my duck blind and just... Beep, 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 beep. Ah! Right, I just strut into the door, saloon doors pop open. Hello, ladies. Insane in the membrane. You know, like you brought home a bag of dicks in like a McDonald's bag. Right, right. Like there's a little bit of grease at the bottom of the bag. It was illuminating, but I didn't change my Joe Williams ranking. <laughs> Here's the thing. How do you react when someone rings your doorbell? Is that normal for you to just go to the door? No. I don't answer. Yeah, get out of here, dude. What are you doing? Send me an email. Well, I've done door-to-door knocking. I've done all those kinds of jobs. Yeah, direct marketing, door-to-door. Woo! Players play, coaches coach, everybody needs to do their job. I got a good take for the uh, Vance McDonald Kittle thing. Well, I figured you would. I mean, you're not an idiot. Yeah, or maybe I do portray one and I'm not an idiot. I don't know which way it is. It's one way or the other. Can't be both. Can't make it up. I can't. I couldn't. Won't. You know, you can imagine me, big white t-shirt, sagging jeans, backwards cap, minimal group of friends. It's making tracks. I was battle rapping on the internet in 95. I have Rage Against the Machine killing in the name of Nirvana Nevermind, Pearl Jam 10, R.E.M. Out of Time, Soundgarden, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, I mean, and Boys to Men, Motown Philly. That's in addition to all the, you know, the EMF. Unbelievable! Whoa! You know, you got those ones, you know? We need to do a, a, who's, a whose cock is bigger of music. We'll go off the list back and forth because I've got some, there are some good ones in 95, man. My year is one of the top three years in the history of rock and roll. Did The Chronic come out in 91? If The Chronic came out in 91, you're fucked. Rock Set Joyride came out. Color me bad, I want to sex you up. Come on, bro, you got great songs on here. NWA was still around then, and they came out with the name of a song I can't say on the air. That was a public enemy year, so you have Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black. I just want to say Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black. I just want to say that on the air. Don't forget Enya was came out then. That was big. And the Gregorian monks. I mean, this is this is a trump card. You know, no, no, I'm, I'm going to say it just so you realize what's coming at you. Alanis Morissette, you ought to know. Skilo, I wish. Come on. Wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl with her digits I would call her. I'm guessing that the last line goes... And a 6'4 Impala. Nobody knows the words. Oh, yeah, Dr. Dre, keep their heads ringing. You have some fun radio hits and you have great rap. You do not have transcendent rock and roll that I do. 
hop down in your Miata, cruising down a coastal Pacific highway. I have Fresh Prince Summertime. You want to go R&B? Oh, I have Boys to Men. I always have a checkmate move in my arsenal. Every time, no matter where you go on the board. You don't want to you don't want to say a song first and then the next guy says his song and trumps you. You got to be cautious. Lay booby traps out there. A frontal assault with the rock and roll and then I'm going to protect my flanks with Boys to Men over there and Fresh Prince over here. We had an indoor wedding, so yeah, we were outside. On the water. Gorgeous. Porpoises were swimming by behind us. The backdrop. I don't believe you. I don't know a lot about Maine. I've I've been there once before. I just picture the coastline just covered in lobster. The lobsters don't come on land. They're way out off the coast. You're not on the coastline just walking over lobsters. That's not how it works. And he had the largest model train set I've ever seen in my life. It was the entirety of a basement. That's what I picture when I think of Maine. Those are the people who live in Maine. People that make shoes out of lobster shells so that they can walk on top of the lobsters at the beach and then have model trains in their basement. I was on the wrong side of the tracks. Please, Tough. sir, can I have some more? Right. If you could work that in, if you can work oh. in... Actually, you know what I'll do? You punch it. I'll in. punch that. No, I'll punch myself in and I'll come in and I'll be like, please, sir, can I have some more? Please, sir, can I have some more? Please, sir, can I have some more? And then, and then, so you'd have to have a Dickens line in there. Well, Oliver Twist. I don't know how I'm supposed to add an Oliver Twist thing in this. This is, this is way too last the minute. Gist, to the gist. Uh, you're the, the, the gist. You're shoehorning. Uh, there's no way this is going in. I can't do it. I. We have to get off football and talk about Game of Thrones. People would appreciate a non-football podcast. I just want to tell you on nearly 300 votes, it was 81% in favor of the Le'Veon Bell side. So, Well, 19% of the people don't know what the hell they're doing. Why are you the guy that's posting Dynasty Trades? That's so obnoxious. You're only posting it because uh, to show off. That's all you're doing. You're just showing off. You're, you don't genuinely care what anyone thinks. This is you just preening in front of the audience. This is you just cupping your, your hand to your ear. This is me swimming to the other side of the pool at like a, an extravagant you know, Spanish hotel and I come out of the water, slow motion, long hair, ring it out, you know, walk past the women in a Speedo. Okay, long hair. Now this is really a fantasy for you. It's going to be a good show. I'm going to go to war with DLF too. Oh, I know. I saw that. This is fantastic. Wow. Quack, quack. Everything that Alanis Morissette listed was actually a coincidence. It wasn't ironic. We're into reruns. Eric Dick ends. That was my joke. The late Jeff Miller, though, is hard to beat. All right, here we go. We're gonna, I'm going to start right now. Don't make me laugh. What's wrong with you? Wow, well, this has never been a problem before. You're tilting at the beginning of the show. Uh, getting the yips a little early. All right, here we go. Are you not confident talking about 1995 rap music? Oh, wait. No, I do follow you. Look, I'm looking at you right now. Oh, you've been muted. I'm thinking to myself, I haven't seen a dateless tweet in six months. 
This is good. You're not coming as strong as I came. Just did this trade in my league. <laughs> what? 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 I love buzzards. And I hate them. I hate them and I love them equally. Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald. How about Vance Tron? This is good. You're not coming as strong as I came. <laughs>